and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're doing an all-vampire show, <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh, Netflix's first kill, the game Vampire the Masquerade Night Road, and kind of vampire media generally. And I know this is like July, in <laughs> the middle of summer, it's just kind of how it worked out. <laughs> yeah, this sort of came up very unexpectedly, I think. We were both yeah. like, oh, we both can sing vampire stuff. Yeah. But before we jump into that, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give a little shout out because I went to a concert last night with my sister Ooh. for the first time in like, since the pandemic <laughs> started. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to mention it because we talk about pop culture a lot. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, live music is something that can be really, really fun. And there's an energy there that you don't get elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to mention it. We went to the Mandy Moore concert. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> My sister and I are, were big fans when we were younger, so. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope that was fun. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. I was supposed to go see Garbage and Alanis Morissette, and it oh. got canceled due to the pandemic, and then I didn't, I decided not to reschedule yeah but i mean i someday i will get back in the swing of it so wait if they come back to columbus or somewhere we can both we'll both go to that because i love yes Yes. and you love garbage i love car i love both of them and i have seen garbage live before and they are great so i think it would be a really fun show but yeah, yeah we'll see we'll see if that comes back cool yeah fun yeah we i think both of us would encourage listeners if music is something that you love mm-hmm. it's summer so there's there's gonna be a lot of outdoor stuff yes in it right now and you should yeah. see what's in your area yeah. yeah see some local bands support i bet local music in particular has been really hard hit by the pandemic so find yes. some good outdoor or vaccine required shows and go very safely but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> awesome well Let's turn it back to today's theme, which is vampires. <laughs> yes. So this is more your thing, I think. Well, I mean, I, that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I have, I've always been interested in kind of folkloric, you know, creepy things. And I like horror fiction a lot and stuff. And, you know, vampires are sort of an archetypal both villain and hero that transcends a lot of media and gets reinterpreted based on the era and kind of the zeitgeist going on when the work is produced. So, I mean, these are obviously fictional characters, but you see them in literature, you see them in film and television and theater and music and video games. And I mean, pretty much any site of pop culture is going to have a variety of you know, interpretations, visual art, ballet, you know, like it's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, one of those things through folklore that transcends location, every, every kind of country or culture has their own version of the interpretation of the original myth. And a lot of those have supposed background in misunderstandings of disease and things. So there's kind of a creepy nature there. But yeah, I mean, I think that it really speaks to also our anxiety around death 
the idea and appeal of not having to die, but that with that comes a cost where you're forced to like become a predator. Mm -hmm. And my favorite works have to do with the the vampire having attention around that and seeing it as kind of a metaphor of, you know, trying to resist things like addiction, or it's a metaphor of more modern disease. I don't know. I mean, like you can do a lot with it and kind of make it a template for an infusion of social commentary. And I think that's where it gets most interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff about, you know, gender and, I don't know, nostalgia even. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's where it's useful. It's kind of sort of like the zombie archetype. It's just something that keeps recurring and we keep reusing it to make different cultural statements. Yeah, I could see that. And I sort of, I'm not a scholar of vampiric literature, (laughs) but (laughs) I kind of see two different angles to it. So one is, is what you've talked about and the kind that you are more interested in. Mm-hmm. which is sort of horror tinged mm-hmm. and it does talk about social issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think there is a subset of vampire literature and things that are, I don't want to say less nuanced, but it's just, it's basically vampire romance where the vampires are mm-hmm. the heroes, which is, oh yeah, you know, cool. If that's, if that's your thing, I think twilight was a big, we can't talk about, vampire stuff without talking about twilight whether you like <laughs> it or we, hated didn't it. we though <laughs> i mean well i kind of want to give her some props because you know what i don't love the books i thought the mm-hmm. movies were entertaining i saw all of the movies in theaters <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> with my friend chelsea mm-hmm. but i mean she made it her own and she yeah made, she made an empire which like Good for her. She doesn't have to write at all anymore if she doesn't want to. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if she really has done much more. I think she's done a few things since then. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, people give Twilight a lot of guff. Stephanie Meyer. I mean, you have to remember those are supposed to be young adult novels. So yeah, trying to judge them on their literary merit against other genres is not a fair comparison. Right. And they're a very specific style and a very specific subgenre of YA lit. And the movies are entertaining and I have seen <laughs> the first one. <gasps> Only the first one? Only the first one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's even though I'm a fan of this kind of stuff, it's not as if I am not very choosy or have certain things that I like or don't like. And I do read some of the vampire romance stuff. I'm very into Jesse Thomas, as you know, and I've read a fair few other series and parts of series. And I would argue too, that even though it's mostly fantasy and adventure, and maybe even a little bit of like a superhero genre that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is also kind of a a paranormal romance too. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, all that is fantastic. And I think that no matter what level of nuance it has, you can still kind of, you know, still have it be metaphorical. And I think Twilight is still metaphorical Mm -hmm. in some ways, even though it's a little bit lighter and more focused on the romance. I did, I read the second, I read the first two books and I liked the second book better because it started to get into more of the world building and the mythology of stuff, including werewolves and things. So, yeah. yeah. I think the point is that 
Vampires are so widespread that you can find your particular flavor of vampire somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and not all of it is even dark. There's some that are purely pretty comedic. There is an old, really dumb old rom-com, like it was an indie rom-com starring Adam Ant from the 90s called Love Bites. And it's really bad and it's on YouTube, but it's a comfort movie for me because it's so silly and stupid and it just plays with a lot of these tropes and makes them seem ridiculous. Nice. There was an old movie from the early 80s called Love at First Bite, which is a spoof of vampire rom-coms and it's very (laughs) silly. It probably doesn't hold up, honestly, (laughs) now that I think about it. And I think there was another one, Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was... Also from the 90s and also very, very goofy. So <laughs> I, th- I think you can, you know, take it in a lot of different directions. Yeah. And some of the best paranormal romances also have a little bit of humor because you can't, I don't know, I read so few romances that are devoid of all humor. So even the paranormals that I read have at least a little bit of lighthearted moments, I guess. So yeah, I get that. I prefer just in general romantic comedies to romantic dramas. So I also like my romances to have some humor. And I think, you know, the best ones are sort of tongue in cheek, because they do acknowledge that this urban fantasy world of vampires and werewolves and all these things is kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you think about it. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there are excellent points to all sorts of vampire media. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, before we get, jump in, I do want to point out that, have you heard of Dracula Daily? No. Oh, I wanted to point it out because there's sort of this resurgence. I've seen it a lot on Tumblr mostly, but this mm-hmm. person, Dracula by Bram Stoker is in the public domain. Mm-hmm. So this person set up this automatic email list where it's an epistolary novel and everything is dated so he sends out the dated port like the portion that's dated that day oh into your email so you can read it like in real time oh weird oh that's yeah. neat <laughs> it is pretty neat there was one that came today actually mm-hmm. jonathan looks out the window <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i just thought that was neat and it's sort of it's a niche internet phenomenon right now that's sort of picking up steam so i just thought that was kind of neat that's really cool yeah i will say as much as dracula is the you know starting point of a lot of although technically varney the vampire i think is the uh first vampire novel that they're calling a novel the way we think of a novel now okay but I've never read that one and it sounds terrible. But Dracula, <laughs> I have always, I've seen a ton of adaptations of it, some very faithful, some a little bit looser. And I still think that the um, 90s Francis Ford Coppola version is probably the the most accessible one. I'm not going to say the best, but the most accessible one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the novel itself is really, really hard to get through. Yeah. It's not great. You have to have a lot of patience. Uh, I think that reading it in that way that that this daily digest does might be a better way to do it Uh because otherwise it feels like a bit of a slog. I remember trying to get through it again not very long ago and feeling like, why am I just reading 10 pages of a chicken paprika recipe? Like what is (laughs) going on? Like why is this so 
yeah. dense and overly descriptive and yeah. I think that's what makes it fun too because you have everyone's reading it at the same speed. Yeah. And like after that I haven't hopped onto it as much as I wanted to. I've read some entries, but I I need to really catch up and I want to get back into it. Mm-hmm. But I remember when the paprika recipe part happened, <laughs> like there was this big debate on the internet about like what kind of paprika it was and why it made Jonathan sick. Ugh. Was it not really paprika? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. But like it adds sort of a a global aspect to reading, which doesn't always happen anymore, especially yeah. like yeah. So I thought that yeah. was neat. That is neat. That is very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the fact that it's in the public domain, I think that makes it ripe for lots of remixing and reinterpretation. And what you're describing with this daily thing turns it into a shared consensus narrative, which we don't have enough of in society yeah. anymore through the the niche, the nicheification of all of our media, if that makes <laughs> sense. Yes. So, yeah, so that's does. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Okay, so <laughs> to talk about actual vampire media. Yes. Yeah, you've been watching this Netflix show that I want to start, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I think you would find it interesting. Okay. It's called First Kill. Mm-hmm. It is on Netflix. It's eight episodes, and they're an hour long. It is created by Victoria Schwab, based off a short story that she did, and... Emma Roberts is an executive producer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically, let's see. It follows two girls. One is named Juliet, and she is a vampire. They're in high school. She comes from a family of legacy vampires, which I will explain in a minute. And her mom is played by Elizabeth Mitchell. Her dad, Sebastian, is played by Will Swenson, and she has two older siblings who are twins, Eleanor, played by Gracie, Jenny, and Oliver, who's played by Dylan McNamara, and Oliver, like, you hear about him early on, but he's not living with the family, and there's mysterious circumstances surrounding that. Oh. Yeah. And then you have Cal who is played by Imani Lewis. Her full name's Calliope. (laughs) (laughs) And she comes from a family of monster hunters. Oh, no. I know, right? (laughs) So her mom, Talia, is played by Adam Wise. Her two older brothers, Apollo and Theo, are played by Dominic Goodman and Philip Mullings Jr., respectively. And her dad, Jack, is played by Jason R. Moore. Okay, so Calliope's family moves around a lot because they're in this monster hunting thing called the Guild, and they get sent to different towns to sort of root out monsters. And they get sent to Savannah, Georgia, because apparently, like, the whole town kind of knows there used to be monsters in the area, like, 20 years ago, and now they're seeing a resurgence. So Calliope and her family get sent there. And she ends up in the same class as Juliet. And Juliet, so this is kind of a queer star-crossed lover's romance. Okay. And (laughs) Juliet has a crush on Calliope, like, right away. And Calliope (laughs) has sort of 
studied Julia enough that she figures out that she's a vampire. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And then, so they're sort of attracted to each other, but Cal is like, this girl is a vampire. I have to take her down. And she's the only one in her family who hasn't had a monster kill yet. Mm-hmm. And there's talk about this incident a few months ago where I think she almost, she was on a job and she almost killed a monster, but her family had to step in or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she, I think she's really, she's like, okay, this is something I can handle. Like <laughs> Julia is little and she's my age and I could totally take her down. So she does. She stakes her at the end of the first episode. Oh my gosh! Okay, so I went into this and I was like, this is kind of silly. And then that happened at the end of the first episode and I was like, what? Where does this go from here? So so that got me watching. But the reason Juliet does not die is because she's a legacy vampire. And the lore in this is that they are matrilineally descended from Lilith oh. in biblical mythology. Oh, interesting. And Lilith, I guess, chose to be bitten by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Oh. So I guess, and that's how they got their vampire powers. Mm. So as far as we know, there's no way to kill a legacy vampire. The Burns family kind of tries a couple times, <laughs> and they haven't figured out exactly how to do it. So, you know, it's really awkward the next day at school when <laughs> when Juliet shows up and she's, you know, fine after having been staked in the heart. <laughs> but Juliet, uh, for her part, is... So I guess legacy vampires have this thing where they, when they get older, they have to have a first kill in order to... So Juliet is... She's 16, and she hasn't had her first kill yet because she is not interested in killing anyone. But she gets sick because she hasn't killed anyone. So, like, it's this thing. She gets headaches. She gets, like, bloodlust or something. So she has to take blood pills and all this stuff. And there's sort of a ticking clock to when she makes her first kill and then when she does get to make her first kill then she'll have like an induction ceremony into the family and stuff like that so first kill is sort of a play because both of them are trying to achieve their first kill yeah so it's it's kind of silly um (laughs) the budget is not super high so like some of the cgi is not great but i think you just gotta roll with it (laughs) okay the story was got pretty interesting. You've got two families on opposite sides of the fight, and you get to learn about both of them. So you're like, oh, they, you know, maybe they could just get along. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, their teenage daughters falling in love will help them get along. And you kind of want to see that through to the end. Yeah, it's eight episodes, and I kind of hope there is a season two because it ended on a cliffhanger, and I would like to know what happens. There are a lot of good things they that they put into place. But the last thing I wanted to mention is the first episode is really interesting because I saw someone describe it as like, Juliet is living in the romance genre and Cal is living in the thriller genre. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because you, you have the first half of the episode from Juliet's perspective mm-hmm. and like everything's sunshiny 
and she's like trying to talk to Cal at school, but she's too nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like about her and her best friend <laughs> going to school and stuff like that. And her best friend, Ben, trying to be like, you need to go talk to Calliope. And then they get to the part right before she gets staked and they rewind and show you from show you it from Cal's perspective. Oh. And all of their interactions are now tinged with like, oh, Cal has figured out that Juliet's a vampire and she's trying to get her in a position to like, so she can stake her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just kind of an interesting twist that yeah. I thought was really, a really good narrative device. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Yeah. I would be really interested in what you think about it if you started. Yeah. I have seen it on like the queue and stuff and, um, thought about watching it and yeah except for the budget stuff it sounds really good so i will probably give it a shot that stuff doesn't really bother me very much i've watched a lot of b fantasy movies with subpar cgi so yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually i'm listening to a buffy recap podcast okay right now and one of the things that the people complain about is these early episodes of buffy everything looks so dark like what are they filming this on like somebody's audio cassette recorder or something it's so bad and uh that just cracked me up because it's pretty true but yeah you know sometimes you don't have the budget <laughs> sometimes you do not but hey if more people watch this maybe they'll get a bigger budget for season two <laughs> yes that's true that's true cool yeah but you've been playing a vampire game that sounds really cool yeah and i think you might enjoy this It's called Vampire the Masquerade Night Road. Vampire the Masquerade is this long-running tabletop role-playing game series. And so Night Road is the first video game that they've done that's in this. It's kind of a mix between choose-your-own-adventure and solo RPG. Okay. They're calling it an interactive fiction video game. And so it's very, like, there's nothing except written text. Oh, okay. But you still do RPG things like you create your character, but you create it through the beginnings of starting to play the game, and you create the clan that your vampire is in, and you, throughout the game, you make choices, and if you turn on a certain setting, you can see your character's game statistics. So when you're given choices that have to do with um, certain talents that you have based on the choices that you've made, you can see, well, okay, I have a lot of points in this or that, so it, it might turn out better because you're not rolling dice, but you're basing it on your your current experience points. So if you're really good at dexterity, you want to emphasize things that'll help you out that way. Or if you're very intelligent, you want to make choices that rely on your intelligence. Yeah. And different types of vampires have different innate supernatural talents so mine mine can like sort of move really quickly and and not fully be invisible but kind of use dexterity in a supernatural way so that you can kind of evade predators by just being really stealthy and speedy yeah and those are things that you like a lot in a character being stealthy and speedy and dexterous yes dexterous yes (laughs) Using a lot of, you know, almost acrobatics and stuff. So getting out of the way of trouble rather than engaging with it directly. But because this this particular game, Night Road, you're playing a character who is like a courier. Um, vampires can't use email and the internet because it's going to reveal themselves to humans. Part of the, the 
the mythos of Vampire the Masquerade and why it's called the Masquerade is that the Masquerade is this set of protocols that the Vampire Society has set in place so that they will not be discovered by humans and then endangered. So they have to be a little bit more low tech. And so they drive really old cars and they try not to use smartphones and they just kind of exist on the periphery of society so that they won't be discovered. Okay. So you as this courier, you're sort of acting as, as a human email and you're <laughs> bringing, bringing documents and flash drives and news to various <laughs> other people in, you're in the Southwest US. So it's kind of this desert okay. environment. And, and yeah, it's just text and it's available on, you can play this on Android, you can play it on iOS, you can play it on Linux, you can play it on a Mac, you can play it on Windows, you can even play it just in a web browser. It's really, really cheap. I was able to get the first game and its expansion pack for under $10 on Steam. I think it was a sale, but still. And there are other titles in this series. There's also Out for Blood, Parliament Knives, and Sins of the Sires, which is not quite out yet. Night Road was written by Kyle Marquis, and he apparently stayed very close to the mechanics of the original RPG. So if anybody's played that before, it's going to feel very similar. Um, some of the other authors have deviated ever so slightly before, but it's funny because this is also listed in Goodreads as a novel. Oh. And someone in a Goodreads review mentioned that when you add up the entire word count of this thing, it's like 650,000 words long. Whoa. Now, that's if you kind of go through every different permutation of option and stuff. But I just have to give Kyle Marquis, like, serious props because that's the equivalent of writing, like, a six-novel series. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. This came out in 2020. So everything is every, – all the others have come out in between there. And Sins of the Sires is due out later this year. And that one's by Natalia Teodorud. So I just think it's really, it's really interesting. Part of it, I get – like the mechanics of it and what it is, I don't like to try to do it for very long at a time. But if you play some music in the background, like I've been listening to a lot of like synth wave and stuff while I listen to it because it has that sort of feel that's very similar to the movie Drive with <laughs> Ryan Gosling. So I listen to a lot of synth wave and dark wave and stuff when I play it. But yeah, I mean, it's very relaxing. You're making a lot of you know, the decision making is very sometimes mundane, but then you realize this is going to have repercussions so that like what kind of car you're driving can depend on how quickly you can evade capture Ooh. or if you need to like ram another car on the road in a car chase. <laughs> like, do you get the giant bruiser truck or do you get the little zippy sports car you know <laughs> yeah. knowing too that you've got a very limited budget like you're getting paid for each job you do and you have a lot of different people you're trying to please and you got to decide who you're in alliance with and it's really i'm having a lot of fun with it so i'm probably not even a third of the way through it but it's the kind of thing you can play it for a few minutes at a time and then kind of set aside or come back to during the day or you know play an hour every couple days or something. Um, it's pretty like you're not rolling any dice, but you are having to look at your stats and stuff. Yeah. Like you can, you can turn that part off, but I don't know why you would, because I do want to <laughs> treat it more like a game so that you're like, okay, what would be the best choice based on what I've been doing? You can also raise your experience points by doing things like going to the gym or going to the library or Ooh. talking to people 
who raise your like social or intellectual or physical skills. So like one night I had my character go to the library or actually she went to a, I think she couldn't go to the library because it's night. You can only exist at night. So I think she had to go to this weird used bookstore and just sit around for a few hours. But it raised her intelligence and like academics or something. So yeah. Awesome. It's, it's really fun. But know that if you do try it out, some of it might not make super sense if you've never played the original games. But if you just kind of look some stuff up, like, what does this mean? Like, you can find those answers. It's not that confusing. Okay. The main thing is that there's different types of vampires that are sorted into clans. But it's just kind of like D&D where, you know, are you an orc or an elf or a mage or whatever? And so the clans sort of are similar to that in that different clans are better at different types of skills. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I already downloaded it on my phone. Oh, cool. <laughs> While you were talking, because it sounds really cool. Cool. And I'm trying to look it up on Steam. And I know we have been recording a little bit in advance, but there's currently a summer sale going on. Nice. So some of the other Vampire Masquerade games are on sale. Great. Hopefully they still will be when this episode comes out. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, Steam is great and has a lot of sales and you can often get promo codes even if there's not a store-wide sale. I love Steam probably too much. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. Every time they have a sale, I'm like, I'm going to get that game and that game and like don't play them right away because I have so many games. Yeah, I know. Same. Cool. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what kind of I, I have created a Toreador named Diana. Okay. And she's focusing on a lot of like sneakiness computers hacker skills intelligence and i just bought her a very expensive penthouse that she probably can't afford <laughs> <laughs> nice okay yeah that seems very on brand with your characters and we've we've talked about this in real life but i tend a lot to make a make a lot of bruiser characters so okay we'll see what kind of person i come up with or yeah you know, maybe I'll go for something different this time. Maybe. I will let you know. If you if you want to play a bruiser, you should play a bruja or a gangrel. Okay. Those would be your types that you would like. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, like we said, you can find Vampire the Masquerade Night Road on Android, iOS, or Steam, or in browser. And if you want to watch First Kill, that is on Netflix. And I do want to make a little addendum. I forgot to tell you that Juliet is played by Sarah Catherine Hook. Oh. So I just wanted to let you know that. Thank you. Great. (laughs) Great. Well, next week, we're going to be shifting gears completely into (laughs) an an all-comedy episode. Well, Flora's Lava is not not comedy. It's... Anyway, we'll talk about it. It's still funny. (laughs) It's still funny. The second we're going to talk about the second season of Netflix's Flora's Lava, the Bob's Burgers movie, and the just completed Netflix comedy series Grace and Frankie. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. You can also email us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. And you can find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store. And please rate us and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.